Well, for those who don't know me, I'm Father Mark Scotton. Um, I'm the Archdeacon to Archbishop Roger at the diocese. And um, a long time ago, when there wasn't a church here, we were meeting in somebody else's church, and then in a barn. I remember some of you in those clandestine illegal days when we were doing all our renegade stuff. So it's good to be home. It feels like you're coming home. I said to Kim, her, her son was a little tiny kid, and he, they just dropped him off for college. So that's good, but I feel very old. <laughs> and it's good to be here um, with you this morning. And, you know, Father Joe told me the, the first reading was about from the Song of Songs. He says, are you going to preach on that? <laughs> and I said, well, we'll try. <laughs> but it, when you look at the readings this morning, it really is all about love. And I think maybe what we've learned in the last years of our journey together is that in the end, what wins the day is love. And being people of love. Radical love. And um, I think that the scriptures this morning talk about that very clearly. Because in my estimation, brothers and sisters, love received is love shared. And the older I get, the more I'm convinced that life is short. And we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So let us be swift to love and make haste to be kind and the blessing of God will be with us. And I think the older that I get, the more I realize that's what really matters. In the end, God, when you go to your maker, God isn't going to want to know about how much money you gave in the collection plate and how many buildings you built and all that stuff. He's going to want to know how much you loved. How much you loved when it wasn't easy to love. In the early chapters of Genesis, God says to Abraham, I will bless you that you may be a blessing to others. How intimately these two are tied together. Always the act of our being blessed and the act of our blessing others. The first way it is known in our human experience is in the embrace shared by a parent with a child. Can anything fill one's heart more completely than an earnest exchange of hugs and with those just learning to offer them? Think about that first time your child or your grandchild comes up to you and gives you that hug. You could just melt. Little children are so intent in their first expressions of physical affection. To be the recipient of such a hug just opens your heart unconditionally. Who is blessing whom in that exchange? Love received is love that is shared. It's as simple and profound as that. As we grow and discover love in all its intimacy, what a miraculous experience it can be. The heartbeat quickens, the imagination anticipates, even a passing encounter with the beloved, the sound of their voice, a smile crossing their face as they recognize your presence, a casual touch. Our first reading today is a compelling expression of the giving and receiving of such love. The Song of Solomon can be given many allegorical interpretations, but at its heart, its imagery is as simple as the blush of first love, igniting by the holding of one's hand, the lover's hand by the other for the first time. We can sense in this passage a growing excitement in this poet's response to even the thought of the approach of her beloved. 
the voice of my beloved. Look, he comes leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills like a gazelle or a young stag. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. The time for singing has come. The surging of emotions is echoed in the psalm. It says, my heart is stirring with a noble song. The shoulds and oughts, the couldas and the wouldas of such relationships can in time get very complicated. But the human soul revels in the simple, mysterious gift and act of offering one's heart to another for the first time for no reason other than the joy that it's giving and the receiving it brings. Love received is love to be shared. It's that simple and that profound. The writer of the epistle of James also builds on this theme. Religious practices can get as complicated as interpersonal relationships. And we as Anglicans know that better than anyone. Over time, we become more concerned about how we are performing those practices and find ourselves further and further from the original fervor of religious passion that once impelled the choices we make in our faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those things aren't important. But if we don't keep first things first, it's easier to be to press the liturgy button, and stand up, sit down, kneel, take communion, and come out of here and not be transformed. Our hearts aren't touched. And that's not the purpose of why we come together every Sunday morning. It is a gift that we are given, the very motivation, the compulsion of the Spirit of God to join God in the act of self-giving love. It's not an accomplishment in ministry, but a natural response of one beloved to another. When we come to church, are we really seeking God, our beloved? That encounter with Him in His Word. That encounter with Him in His sacrament of His body and blood. Do we believe that when we come that it's really communion? What does communion mean? But oh, at one with God. And do we leave here transformed from the encounter? Better people because we came. Again, in the embrace of lovers, who is giving and who is receiving in this exchange? Clearly both or something other than self-giving love is being exchanged. It's so simple when the heart of the beloved is truly led by love until complications set in. And those complications are born of fear. In the first epistle, John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And soon thereafter, he writes, We love because God first loved us. Acts of kindness, patience, forgiveness. So many Christian values are second nature when one is in right relationship, and the sole motivation shared is the love of the other. We are simply seeking to imitate God's love for us as manifested in Christ Jesus. It is only when one has replaced trust in such love with fear of rejection that acts of charity become a chore. We all understand this, for as surely as we all have experienced the excitement of the first blush of love, we have experienced the onset of the more complicated swirl of thoughts and emotions that later infringe on that love. I always remember the story told by Fyodor Dostoevsky in his novel The Brothers Karamazov of the stingy old woman who sought from the misery of hell, the lake of fire, where she found herself after she had died to be raised to the comforts and joys of heaven. 
I wasn't all that bad, she said. She asserts to an angel passing by, and what about the time when the poor beggar came to my door and I, and I gave him an onion? Think about it. The angel swoops down and hovers just above the old woman as together they look back over the scene from her life. The woman had resentfully come to the back door of her grand mansion to try to shoo the beggar away, complaining loudly about the filthiness of his hands and feet. Don't even wash before you come to beg, she says. Nonetheless, the woman had reached down onto the bottom of her larder and produced a rotting onion that she handed over to the beggar. Well, said the angel, that should be enough to open the doors of heaven for you. The angel lowers to her a rope with that very onion tied to it. The woman grabs on, but as the rope is lifted, others in the lake of fire climb on, hoping to be pulled out as well. And the old woman, alarmed by this, cries out, Let go! Let go! It's not you who are being pulled out. It's me. It's not your onion. It's mine. And just when she says it's mine, the onion snaps in two, falls out of the rope, and she falls back into the lake of fire. The angel weeps as she flies away. If only the old woman had had it in her heart to say, the onion is ours, surely the onion would have been strong enough to have pulled all of them out together. There is insight in this story, brothers and sisters, echoing the same wisdom as the teaching of Jesus in our gospel for today. Here Jesus is set upon by Pharisees who for all their earnestness and concern for the purity code have transversed far from what James would call religion that is pure and undefiled before God. There are so many distractions for these well too well-practiced religious practitioners, the Pharisees. They care earnestly about their religion, but it is clear that only those who are equally obsessed with religious practices could relate to what they care about. The washing of cups, the avoidance of unclean people. What Jesus is calling us to remain, uh, to, to us remains far simpler and is in the end something that every one of us, whether a professional religious practitioner or not, would understand and care about. It is what comes from inside, from the center of our hearts, that will transform and quicken the heartbeat of our lives and the lives of those we encounter. When one's life is truly converted by God's Spirit, the actions God yearns for to know in our relationship with God and one another will become second nature to us. St. Augustine of Hippo once said, Love God and do as you please. If you are truly filled with love of God's love, what will, what, what will please us will surely be what also pleases God. Some of the same phenomenon that you hear in that is heard in this phrase. Look inside and find where a person loves and that, that's the reality, not what they say. What they say, talk is cheap. You can say you love someone. That rolls off the mouth easy. It's quite a different thing to really have to love them. Because sometimes they, they get on your nerves. Sometimes it's the neighbor next door that just 
grates on you, or the coworker on the other side of the cubicle that always has something to say that just hits you the wrong way. And we're called to love them. Or it's our spouse or our children. What God, what does God require of us? What spiritual practices will open the gates of heaven to us? It is in the end the return of the Spirit to the place where love of God is born, not where it is mastered. That right relationship with God and one another will be found. Remember that life is short. We don't have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. Simply, very simply, let us be swift to love and make haste to be kind. The world is radically in need of people who will love radically. So much about our world and our life shows exactly the opposite. And people are dying to know that they matter and they count. And you may be the only person who brings that gospel of love into their lives. It won't be the people with the collars, I can tell you, because we've already been smeared. So if you say, it's not me, or I don't have time today, the Lord's saying, this is the day, these are the people I'm putting in your path, will you, will you come to the challenge of being a radical lover? Because I tell you, brothers and sisters, if we learn to be radical lovers in what we say and what we do, this place will overflow. You'll be in another building campaign because there's so many wounded, hurting, lonely people who believe that their lives are so screwed up that they've done so many things wrong that God couldn't possibly love them and forgive them. And the good news is we are the, the, the disciples of a God who is the God of a billion chances. That no matter how many times we screw up, God loves us in spite of it. And his heart is that not one of us would be lost. And that's the good news that we have to go out into the world and be willing to share with people that God loves you. And I can show you how God loves you because I love you. I'll risk to be with you. And when we do that, the blessing of God will be received and given in one fell swoop in our relationships with others and with God each day. Yeah, it really is that simple. Let us pray. Lord, we know that you love us, so help us to love other people with that same fervent love. We ask, Lord, that you would give us divine opportunities this week to share your love with the people that we least expect. Surprise us this week, Lord, and help us to be generous in loving you and loving your others and loving ourselves. And we ask all this in your name, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. And let the church say, Amen.